A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi there, this is a History of Europe Key Battles podcast. We've reached part six of the Thirty Years' War, 1618 to 1648. In the previous five episodes, I've recounted the Thirty Years' War up to and including the military campaign of King Gustavus Adolphus of Sweden, whose decision to invade the Holy Roman Empire shook up the balance of power on the continent. Before the Swedish intervention, Emperor Ferdinand II had looked well on his way to asserting the dominance of the Catholic faith over the Protestants throughout his empire, having achieved the same in Austria and Bohemia. A string of victories by Gustavus turned the tables, pushing back imperial authority and encouraging the various Protestant princes in Germany to work together to protect their faith and their rights and privileges. The one country I have not yet spoken about much, but was to become another key player in the war, was the Kingdom of France. It's worth backtracking a little to catch up with French affairs of state. A period of civil war known as the French Wars of Religion was ended by the accession and conversion to Catholicism of King Henry IV of France, who reigned from 1598 to 1610. Although Henry had succeeded in providing a period of internal order, this was a result of day-to-day improvisation. Everything depended on the strength of the ruler's personality. Henry survived many assassination attempts, but his luck ran out on the 14th of May, 1610, when he was stabbed to death in his coach on the streets of Paris. Since his eldest son, Louis XIII, was only nine years old, Henry's widow, Marie de Medici, became regent. Marie lost the confidence of the court by entrusting power to an unpopular Italian politician, Concini. When Louis XIII came of age in 16. 17. He had both Concini and his wife murdered, and sent his mother into temporary exile. Earlier the same year, Marie had appointed as foreign secretary a bishop by the name of Armand Jean du Plessis, who was usually referred to by historians as Cardinal Richelieu. As the third son of a noble family, Richelieu had intended to serve in the army, 
but when his elder brother suddenly left the secular clergy to become a monk, his family needed to maintain their position, and hastily had Richelieu ordained and installed as bishop. In the year 1617, France's international standing was at a low ebb. Richelieu needed to reassure France's former Protestant allies, England, the Dutch and the German princes, that Marie de Medici's flirtation with the Habsburgs did not mean that they were being deserted. After Marie's downfall, Richelieu managed to maintain his position in the French court, in spite of his close relations with the Regency. In fact, he soon rose in both the Catholic Church and the French government, becoming a cardinal in 1622 and King Louis XIII's chief minister two years later in 1624. As chief minister, Richelieu had wide-ranging responsibilities. He gave instructions to ambassadors, military commanders and provincial governors. From 1630, he tended to deal mainly with foreign affairs, leaving domestic policy to others. Over the years, he accrued great personal power, helped by his appointments of several members of his family to positions of influence. But as an astute individual, he never allowed power to go to his head and formed a close bond of friendship with the king. The physical appearance of Richelieu is well known, thanks largely to the portraits painted by Philippe de Champagne. He was tall and slim and had a long face with a neatly trimmed beard. Characterised in a biography of Richelieu, R.J. Connect describes how two very different portrayals of the cardinal exist today. Quote, One is of a bloodthirsty tyrant who caused his enemy to be imprisoned or executed and who imposed his tyranny on a weak and unwilling monarch. The other is a statesman of genius who restored France's greatness after his civil wars. It is claimed they invented or revived the idea of France's natural borders, laid the foundations of absolute monarchy and promoted the centralisation of the kingdom. Unquote. As part of the project of centralisation, the powers of provincial governors throughout France were reduced to the appointment of royal commissaires, the forerunners of the later entendants. Through this new centralised structure of governance, Richelieu was able to virtually double the tax income in a decade after 1635. The extra revenue was crucial in enabling the monarchy to raise a permanent army and engage in military campaigns on previously unprecedented scales, and also to reduce its dependence on the military support of the great nobles and urban militias. Religious division was still a major problem in France. The French Protestants, called the Huguenots, had lost much of their earlier influence, but they were still a significant political and religious faction, especially in the southwest of the country. Although the Edict of Nantes had given them legal recognition, they were increasingly concerned about the erosion of their rights after the death of Henry IV. In May 1621, a Huguenot gathered assembly in La Rochelle declared a rebellion. In defiance of central authority in Paris, they would raise their own taxes and create an army. Louis sent an army to suppress the rebellion and a peace was agreed the next year. After years of growing tensions, the revolt 
flared up again in 1627, again at La Rochelle, where the citizens had been promised the support of the English fleet led by the Duke of Buckingham. Richelieu organised the siege of the city, which was compelled to surrender in 1628. The victory finally allowed him to strip the Protestants of their political and military privileges. The rebellion had been a major distraction for the French leadership, so once put down they could focus on events elsewhere on the continent. Richelieu's primary concerned that if the Spanish and Austrian Habsburgs were strengthened, they would be able to encircle France and establish a grip over Europe. He therefore made an anti-Habsburg position the basis of his foreign policy, even though this entailed allying with and granting financial aid to Protestant powers. Between 1628 and 1631, the French and Spanish tussled for control of northern Italy, and the peripheral episode of the Thirty Years' War called the War of the Mantuan Succession. On the 26th of December, Duke Vincenzo II of Mantua, the last of the male line of the Gonzaga family, died, leaving a succession crisis for Mantua and Montferrat, two strategically situated imperial fiefs. Mantua lay on the southeastern border of Milan, and Montferrat territory included the great fortress of Casale in the Piedmont region of Italy. It was vital to Spanish interests that the Duke of Mantua be pro-Spanish, but the chief claimant to the duchy was French, Henry, Duke of Nevers. The Spanish government persuaded Emperor Ferdinand II to hold Mantua himself until a Spanish claimant could be found and installed as Duke. A Spanish army besieged the fortress of Casale to prevent it falling into the hands of the French, who twice sent armies to break the siege. The crisis was discussed at an assembly of imperial electors, gathered in Regensburg in 1630. As described in a previous podcast, this assembly came at a difficult time for the emperor, who had just provoked a lot of anger among leading nobles by his issuing of the Edict of Restitution. He was therefore unwilling to increase tensions with the electors digging his heels in over Mantua, especially as events in northern Germany were taking a turn for the worse. The French were therefore able to take advantage of the situation and achieve a significant win by persuading the Emperor to recognise Charles de Nevers as Duke of Mantua. Following a successful conclusion of the Mantuan War for the French, Richelieu turned his attention to events in Germany. He sent an envoy to the electors with a message that Louis XIII was driven by a very sincere desire to free Italy and Germany from the oppression to which they have been reduced by the manifest violence and ambition of the House of Austria. The two key policies of Richelieu were firstly to make a defensive alliance with Maximilian of Bavaria, and secondly, give financial assistance to Sweden to enable the latter to invade Germany and the Habsburg's hereditary lands. The French and Bavarian positions were basically incompatible, as France wanted to detach Bavaria from the Emperor, while Bavaria, for its part, sought to detach France from her Protestant allies, liberating Germany's influence from the Habsburgs without at the same time compromising the success of the Counter-Reformation. 
Eventually, though, a Franco-Bavarian alliance was agreed in Munich on the 8th of May 1631 and at Fontainebleau with the Swedes on the 30th of May. The French and Swedes were in negotiation for the next several months as to the exact form their alliance would take. The early successes of Gustavus Adolphus' invasion of Germany persuaded the French to agree to the Treaty of Barwalde, where they pledged heavy subsidies for the Swedish army. France did not undertake to enter the war. French policy therefore rested on two separate treaties, one with the head of the German Catholic League and the other with a Lutheran monarch who saw himself as the protector of the Protestant Church. It was always going to be a challenge to work with two allies who weren't interested in friendship with each other. Richelieu may have hoped that dependence on the French subsidy would restrain Gustavus, but more likely he misjudged Gustavus and the extent of his ambition. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H E L P. Last week, I related the events of the Swedish invasion of Germany, culminating in the death of Gustavus Adolphus at the Battle of Lützen on the 16th of November, 1632. Much of Richelieu's attention that year had been on a revolt in Languedoc in southern France. The Swedish king's death must have brought a mixture of relief and apprehension. He had been too willful, especially in his invasion of Bavaria, but his death threatened the power vacuum in Germany, which the Habsburgs might fill. Gustavus's only child was his six-year-old daughter, Christina. The political vacuum in Stockholm was filled by ten councillors of state, who assumed responsibility for the regency until Christina was declared of age in 1644. The chief minister, Axel Oxenstierner, ably took over as the effective head of the government. He helped put together an alliance with the French and several Protestant princes in April 1633, known as the Heilbronn League. Elector John George of Saxony, however, refused to join the League. In the meantime, Richelieu made moves to tighten French control over the Duchy of Lorraine, Opportunity arrived when its Duke, Charles IV, violated a treaty by marrying his daughter to Louis XIII's rebellious brother Gaston. The French occupied and annexed Lorraine, which helped facilitate troops into Alsace, a sensitive area in which imperialist Swedes and the Spanish all competed for control. 
The fighting in Germany in 1633 was inconclusive. Emperor Ferdinand II was growing increasingly distrustful of his chief commander, Wallenstein, who he was aware through his agents was secretly in touch with Protestant princes and the French and Swedish governments. Ferdinand's mistrust was heightened in 1633 when Wallenstein blatantly refrained from attacking vulnerable Swedish regiments. The Emperor finally let it be known that since he could no longer trust Wallenstein, he would not object if the general were assassinated. The deed was carried out on the 25th of February 1634, and the Emperor immediately placed his son Ferdinand in charge of the Imperial Army. In 1634, the Imperial Army, joined by 15,000 Spanish troops, headed for Regensburg, where the main Swedish army was based. The Swedes retreated, but Ferdinand fought and defeated them at Nordlingen on the 5th of September. The Swedes were badly outnumbered. The Protestant forces had some 23,000 men, including many who were new recruits, while the Catholic allies could muster some 33,000, many of whom were battle-hardened troops. Given such an advantage, the Spanish troops showed the Tercio system could still contend with the deployment improvements devised by Gustavus Adolphus. The Battle of Nordlingen, 1634, was the worst defeat suffered to date by the Swedish army in their campaign, with their forces substantially reduced and many German principalities refusing aid, the Swedes withdrew to northern Germany. Consequently, the Protestant German princes made a separate peace with the Emperor in the Treaty of Prague on the 30th of May, 1635. Sweden, abandoned by several if not all of its German allies, were not invited to the Peace of Prague and remained at war with the Emperor. The Habsburg triumph at Nordlingen and the Treaty of Prague could have been decisive in ending the war, enhancing Habsburg dominance in Europe. Spanish forces were no longer engaged in Germany and now posed a direct threat to France all along its frontier. Richelieu therefore intervened directly against the Habsburgs by declaring war against Spain on May 21st, 1635. I hope you can join me next week for the concluding part of the Thirty Years' War. In the meantime, I'll leave you with a piece by Giovanni Paolo Cima. It is called O Dolcedo Minifrua and was written for Soprano and Continuo, first published in 1610. Cima lived in Milan and died in 1630. I hope you enjoy.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 